his goal to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Rock and roll. Kia ora Aotearoa. Kia ora everybody. Hope your Saturday is rolling well. My name is Rebet Hollis. Welcome to Rebet Live, episode 321. Or 320. 320 jingle bells. The numbers get up there. You see them crank, cranking away. When we do about live, we talk about a couple of things. We talk about community, commerce, culture, and we've got a simple goal. Basically, it's New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win, or it's a little thesis that I believe. Coming up on today's show, first up, I'm going to be speaking to the first ever Māori who's been accepted into Duke University in the US. Uh, we're going to be talking about some pretty cool stuff there. Uh, international travel is open back up for business. People starting to fly around, getting the passports back out, playing catch-up with everyone, and it's making a bit, a bit of a strong comeback. So we're going to be catching up with Kelly Elton, the GM of Corporate Travel in New Zealand. Join me just after 1 o'clock. This week on Tall, our Tall Poppy profile, we're catching up with Dan Phillips. He's the co-founder of Bear Hug, um, basically one of New Zealand's top leading biggest craft beer online subscription things, which is pretty epic. They are smashing it. We've got today our time, Young Bucks, and a whole bunch more. Uh, question of the day. I've been thinking about this. You know, this last week, everyone's got pretty aggressive talking about people resigning, flipping all backs this, foster that, text messages being blown up, everyone just about to throw their panties in a twist. So the question that is this, when do you think is the right, right time to resign? You've been, been in business, maybe you don't feel you're doing too well, or maybe you think it's time to move on for better challenges, or whatever it may be. Um, or what is your resignation story? Feel free to text me through on 3920, um, or you can call through on 0800 today FM. Question of the day. In business, when do you think is the best time to resign or the best time to potentially move on? The time now is 5 past 12. Let's get into it. Bet live. On today FM. As we kick off the show, really excited to get into the first one here. Former head girl at Auckland's St. Ked, um, Kentigan's College, Jadoa Harris-Tavita. She's about to embark on a pretty big journey. She's the first uh, woman of Māori descent to be admitted into Duke University. Giddy up. Now, she's been on the show before. We're going to get into a couple of different little angles here, so I want to welcome to the show. Kia ora, Jadoa. How are you? Kia ora. Thank you for having me on the show again. Let's go. How was your Saturday bubbling away so far? What's, what's going on? Oh, it's been good. I actually uh, went to the gym this morning, which is the first time in forever. And so that was great. Good kickstart to the morning. And I went to go watch my sister play netball afterwards. So it's been a nice. great morning. Did she win? Yes, she did. There you go. We got, we've always got to lead with that. We, we like we like Kiwis winning here. That's it's it's a pretty cool thing. So um, for those yeah. not aware, you know you've you've been on um, with the crew with um, with Dave and the crew before. You know, first um, woman of Maori descent to be able to get into a Duke, which is an amazing accomplishment. So maybe as as we speak right now, how excited are you for mm. the upcoming trip of of breaking some barriers and being the first to do something? Let's start there. Oh, honestly, I can't even really describe the feelings that uh, that have been going through, you know, in the last few months especially because there was a time where I wasn't sure whether I would be going due to uh, a financial barrier that I was trying to overcome. But uh, ever since, like, I've been showing an immense amount of support from people all over Aotearoa, which has been so incredible. And honestly, I, I've been just overwhelmed with with what I have ahead of me and I'm so excited to just embark on this new journey where I'll just be learning a whole bunch of new things and yeah I'm hoping that I'll be able to bring that back to Aotearoa when I'm finished with my with, with my degree over in Duke. 
There you go. Okay, so that's where we wanted to sort of get to. So we know a bit of the story. It's it's pretty epic and amazing. You've be, had a whole bunch of support from everyone around Aotearoa jumping in to, to really help you on this mission. So I want to go here for a sec. You obviously have dreamed pretty big for this, right? You've you've had a yeah. bit of a goal. You've thought bigger. So I want to go there for a second. Talk me through your headspace around what I guess gave you the motivation to really try and give it a crack to do something so massive that literally hasn't been done from from um, from anyone like yourself before. Like, talk me through the I guess the headspace of dreaming big with with how you felt about it and what made you really decide to to pull the trigger and give it a crack. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I've been blessed to have a family that pushes me to strive for excellence and just strive to be the best that I could possibly be. And I think through the the community that I've been a part of, through through church and through even through my St. Kinnigan community, it's been amazing to surround myself with people who are just wanting to achieve higher and just wanting to achieve excellence. And for me to dream that big dream and the dream that uh, I didn't honestly it went a, a little bit above over my head when when I was thinking of applying to American universities it was just incredible to see the people around me apply to universities around uh, as well in in America so I think that that's what really inspired me to to see my peers go for their dream as well and I think also my my older brother played a big part in me going after what I wanted because he did so in his career and it was just great to see him put in the work ethic and do everything he possibly could to to achieve his dream so that that really gave me motivation to to I guess go out and explore what interested me what I was passionate about and just give everything that I I had to, to achieve that so yeah I think the people around me really really pushed me to to dream big. See, that's awesome. Now, uh, it was a perfect segue, Jador, because many young Kiwis and many, you know, other adults, whatever, mm-hmm. they don't have a good circle around them. They don't have a support network that's really put around positivity. And I always think of this idea of, you know, each individual and each Kiwi is this little fire, right? And who they choose to be, to hang around and, 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 and be around and, and get supported by is either going to put water on your fire, they're going to put gasoline. They're going to put gasoline and try mm. and you know, build you up to, to make you bigger and better and go forward. Or they're going to put water on your fire and they're going to kill your dreams and say it's not possible or whatever. How, yeah. how have you, when you look at a whole bunch of you know, other peers around you, what percentage do you feel you know, have the right type of circle and, and what don't? And what do you think is kind of causing that? Because obviously you've got a bunch around you and some others don't, but talk me through that for a sec. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, certain communities definitely do struggle with not having that right support system and the I guess the support system that they would essentially need to flourish the gifts that have been planted within them. And it, some some Māori and Pacifica young young people are just so talented and and I, I love to see all of their gifts and you see that talent through through sport through through academic and even even through the performing arts and and all these aspects of life but it's I think when you look at the the percentage of who, who do uh, sorry who has that that kind of support where they are able to you know upskill and they are able to have the that support system of just being able to work on their passion and work on their gifts. I I don't think many people, unfortunately, do have that environment. Mm. And I think as 
rangatahi that are coming through, you know, young Māori and Pacifica people, and even just young people in Aotearoa in general, I think it's really important that as the people of the future, we are looking at how we can improve ourselves. Because if we all were to get, I guess, 1% better, each and every single one of us, that, that already makes us, I'm not sure what the population in New Zealand is, but, you know, like 4 million, 5 million times better already. And yeah. I think that when we look at what we can do, uh, regardless of the, the barriers or the, the stereotypes that have been uh, placed upon us. I think it's important to look at what you can control. And I, I understand that some circumstances for other people are really difficult. And, uh, you know, not everyone has that same starting place in the race. But uh, when you look at what you can control, hopefully you're able to, you know, keep digging and keep digging and just hopefully see some light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, if you work hard enough, I feel like you'll, you'll be able to, you know, reap the rewards at the at the end of uh, your, your work ethic that you've put in. I love the thinking around it. So talking on, on youth, you, you said it before, Jiroa, the this next generation of rangatahi that are coming through, this is the next future for who's going to be leading New Zealand in the next 10, 20, 30 years. These will be the new prime ministers, the CEOs, every mm. type of person that's running everything. When you look around your peers right now and you look at Aotearoa, what do you think is holding most youth back right now? to stopping them being their best, self, best selves to smash it with the 1% every day or whatever it may be. What do you, what do you think is holding everyone back? I think, interestingly enough, it's we. I feel like we are all holding each other back and we get very complacent with where we are in our lives. And we also tend to, you know, everyone wants to feel comfortable and coming out of that comfort zone is really difficult for some people. And as, as youth, you know, I think I said in, in Dave's show, the, the Butterbean show, that as a youth, you just want to be part of something. You want to feel like you're part of something. And sometimes our dreams require us to go outside of that comfort zone. And unfortunately, what is holding us back is us wanting to fit in when I feel like each and every single one of us were really born to stand out and but that takes uh that takes that takes um courage it takes courage to step out of your comfort zone and it takes courage to be the person who is taking the path less traveled or the path where you know no one else is going just to develop and chase after those passions that you have because you're afraid and I think that probably the biggest thing that is holding us back as youth is that fear of standing out and we see standing out as a bad thing when really I think it's a beautiful thing. And, mm. yeah, it's just take, being able to build the courage to, to stand out and to be that person and stand up for who you are and what you believe in. So I think it's just, yeah, finding that courage. I love it. You get you get me excited as if you're going for politics in about 20 years. I'm I'm, I'm hyped for it. I'm here for it, and we'll be we'll be supporting you all the way. Before we go, I wanna I wanna ask you this. I'm always intrigued with you know young people in Aotearoa that that, that how they see the world, right? So when you look at you know the the bigger picture of Aotearoa right now, you've you've obviously grown up here. You live it. You love it. You're about to go have an awesome experience overseas and and do something that hasn't been done before at Duke University. How do you yeah. see Aotearoa in the future? of what you think it can be? Oh, there's, when you look at future possibilities of Aotearoa, it's honestly limitless. 
I think that as a country, we are all very much overachievers. And you see that through sport. You see that in so many aspects of our life. As a as a small country, we, we do mark our place in the world. And I feel like in the future, when you look at what we can achieve as a country, there's just so much potential and so much potential that is just waiting to be tapped into. So I can only imagine what the world, well, what our country is going to look like in 10 years or 20 years because when everyone starts to realise their potential and like do their part in, in, in reaching their own potential, I think that that will transform Aotearoa into, into a space where we're building each other up rather than that, you know, that tall poppy syndrome that we fall back into. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it'll be a space where we can, you know, compare, I guess, the American dream <laughs> to, to the New Zealand dream. And I feel like we want to be, incre- um, you know, envisioning the New Zealand dream to be just as, uh, just as prestige, I guess, as the American dream. So I'm really looking forward to what the future holds for our Anasahi. Now, you said the tall poppy syndrome, which is something that I am absolutely keen to help destroy. You're 20 years younger than myself. How Have you seen it firsthand yet? And have others seen it firsthand yet? Yeah, definitely. I think going through high school, I definitely had, I, I experienced it myself. And at times it was like, in all honesty, it does make you feel so alone and it, it does it plays a massive role in your mental health, which I think is very important and which is why I'm sort of in the, the field of study. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm going to be studying down along those lines in terms of uh, being able to help Rangatahi with their mental health because a tall, tall poppy syndrome is really, really uh, prevalent in New Zealand. And once we start to break down those barriers, I'm really hoping that we'd be able to see youth come out of their shells and not just youth, but even even adults who struggle to, uh, there's this thing called uh, imposter syndrome. Like just, they just struggle to own who they are and back themselves because they're afraid that people are going to tear them down. And some people, like some people do. So I think I'm just uh, wanting to see in the future us sort of be able to, as a country, build each other up rather than tear each other down. I love it. On that note, we're going to leave you to it. Thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck for the future. And, and when you decide to go for Prime Minister in 20 years, hit us up and I'll, I'll be definitely one of, the, one of your biggest donors off the bat. Enjoy, enjoy the time. Congrats to everything you're doing and, and, and good on you for the future. Well done. Thank you so much. There you go. Jador Harris-Tavita, the first Māori ever to be invited and accepted into Duke University. Interesting one, that, right? The even... T- She's 20 years younger than myself. She's f- finishing high school. She's still seeing tall poppy syndrome around her now. So, you know, tall poppy syndrome e- existed before I was alive. I'm only 37 now. It's existing now for her. It's obviously generational. And I think I love that thing she said, you know, do you want to fit in or do you want to stand out? So actually, you know what? Let's change. I'm going to change the question of the day. Question of the day is, what is your tall poppy story? That's what I want today's question to be. What is your tall poppy story? Where it's either happened to you, happened to someone you know, winning, losing, whatever it may be, text it through to 3920. What is your tall poppy story in your own journey, in your career, in your life, in your friendships, whatever it may be? You can uh, text me through 3920 with what is your tall poppy story or uh, call through on 0800 today FM. Um, hmm. Good banter. Good on her. After the break, we're catching up with this week's young bloke on Today FM. The time now is 18 past 12. 
Rebet Live. Live from Silicon Valley, the hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today FM. Welcome back to Rebet Live, episode 320 on Today FM. Live from San Francisco. I'm Rebecca Hollis. You can find your local frequency at todayfm.co.nz or take us with you on the go. You download the free Rover app. It's on your smartphone. You know what to do. You go to the App Store, click download, gets in your pocket, download it up, and here we go. And you can be listening to me right now. Right now it's time for our weekly Young Buck section. Uh, we, get, we catch up with future weapons of business that are going to be doing good things uh, all throughout Aotearoa, and we're catching up with Chinmay Marusudan from Wellington College. Kia ora, Chinmay. Hi. Hi, Rebecca. Nice to meet you. There you go. Meeting virtually, all all on the the technical interwebs now. Let me just rewind back a second. You just spent an entire week with a whole bunch of young entrepreneurs from yep. all over all other countries. So where were you and what was going on? This sounds awesome. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, we were in um, Auckland, and it was a bunch of amazing people from all over the country, from Christchurch, from Timaru. Um, you know, up in Hawke's Bay, we all got together, and we are uh, connected virtually with some students from Brazil. And we learned all about the Latin American culture and um, how we can expand business relations from here to there, expand our business. And we actually ended up pitching to um, a bunch of amazing judges and, um, you know, developing products and developing market entry plans. Good time. Jingle bells. That sounds like a busy weekend. So you're from Wellington College. You're talking about pitching and and global developments for businesses. So give me the the mini pitch. What was the company? Well, um, we were split into groups, but uh, my group, um, we developed an app uh, to sort of, you know, promote mental health awareness, especially in Brazil, where it's, um, you know, less, less place, like there's less importance placed on it. So, um, you know, we, to connect people with counselors and provide them access to resources at a lower price and um, make that accessible for people in lower socioeconomic um, classes, I guess. Nice. And when you pitched this, how did you, how did you sort of, I guess, reverse engineer what you were sort of asking for and stuff? Like, talk me through the, I guess, the process for the team of how you tried to come up with the things. It's a pretty cool idea. Go for it. Yeah, I think um, we actually were given, uh, we looked at like the sustainable development goals and um, we figured health and wellbeing would be a cool space to, you know, make a difference. And we thought, let's figure out what we can do around in that space. And we went through a few ideas and we kind of just, um, landed on this because our Brazilian students said that, you know, there's not a lot of coverage in that area. And um, so we're like, okay, well, that's that's our open open space and let's make, make a difference there. Yeah. Good on you. So I'll, I'll maybe ask you the same question before. We just had Jador on, who's um, first Māori to head over to Duke University in the States. And I was asking about the tall poppy syndrome, right. so I figured I'd ask you the same thing. You're young, you're on the come up, you, you see New Zealand. Have you... Have you experienced tall poppy syndrome in your own journey already as a, as a young buck on the come up already? Tall poppy syndrome. I'm actually familiar with the concept. To be honest. Hey, that's that's awesome. Okay, so you don't you've never have you ever heard of the thing called tall poppy syndrome? No. Uh, when people hold back, criticize, or sabotage those who've been. Yeah. Okay. Um, is, okay. It's a thing. No, no. I'm actually really interested because. The fact that if you don't know, you haven't heard that term before, around in your circles wow. that doesn't um, thing. But basically, you know, it's when you get held back from others and people get jealous of your successes and they try and pull you down and hold you back. They don't want you to sort of stand up and, and pop up. I'm actually really intrigued that you've never never heard of that. But maybe have you felt have you felt that before? 
Honestly, I feel like, um, I don't think, not really, to be honest. I feel like the communities that I'm in, and I feel like if you surround yourself with the right people, you just have to make an effort to surround yourself with people who are going to you know, push you up and encourage you, and you know, people who really want the best for you. I think um, that's kind of the community I tried to surround myself with. So I don't think I've really experienced that at all, to be honest. Mate, that Maybe is a little amazing. bit here or there, but not. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty happy. I feel like, especially in New Zealand, I feel like people are very, very supportive and encouraging. You know, they want the best. There's no negative thoughts like that. I'm sure there is, but like, very minimal. I think. You know, the majority anyway. of don't have. Yeah, no, majority of people don't have good circles around them. They've they get, um, I guess, pull, pull back from others. And it's definitely like every single adult in Aotearoa knows all about this thing called poppy syndrome where it's like, you know, holding back those that succeed. And, and usually it's built out of, you know, people feeling potentially either jealous of other people's successes or whatever it may be. And it's always the case yeah. of, you know, if you're if you're in America and you're, you know, I'm in Silicon Valley here, if, you, if you're if good at something, you, you know, scream it from the rooftops because you're awesome and you're smashing it. In, in Aotearoa, you kind of yeah. hide back and cruise. So maybe I'll just jump there for a second. How have you managed to get... Yeah. I guess a, a such a supportive circle around you, where it's I guess all positivity and drive for the future than than anything else. I think really just um, I think I'm trying to like be with like like-minded people. So like that experience that I was just on um, the Latin Best Venture experience with the S and um, Latin Cape. I feel like all the people there were so passionate about business and they're so passionate about you know what they're here there for and it's just inspiring to be around them. So being surrounded with like-minded people like that, they want the best for you as well you know they're kind of like yeah. they can like you can connect with them so just surrounding yourself in those kind of like um experiences and opportunities and going to places where you're going to find like-minded people i think there you go so let's zoom out for a second when you looked out to the world like how do you see the future of aotearoa as well i was asking you the same thing you what do you what do you think what is the biggest thing holding back um holding back new zealand and, and what's your dream for the future um I don't think there's really anything holding back. I think we just have to go out and get it, to be honest. Um, I think we already punch above our weight in terms of, you know, where we are in the world, our political place. You know, we're like a little island in the middle of nowhere, and yet we're, I think we're a pretty major player on the in the world. And I think just all the people here just have to get out, do stuff, you know, put themselves out there a little bit more. I don't think there's anything holding us back at all. Right. I think we just have to go out and take any opportunities. I love your positivity and I, and I absolutely love your vibe. So whatever you're into next, is there, um, what's what's next on the horizon for you? What are you what are you looking at? What's coming up and what are you most excited about next? Yeah. Um, for me, I'm I'm heading off to um, NYU in spring um, in New York, actually. That's, I think, my next biggest thing coming up for me. I'm pretty excited about that. Let's go. What are you going to study? Um, probably finance at Stern. There you go. That's a good place to learn about money, mate. Yeah. Gee, straight in the mix in New York, yeah. NYU. Good on you, man. Absolutely. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah, it's pretty I'll, exciting. So, um, I warn you, have you been yeah, to New York before? I have been to New York, yeah. Oh, mate, it's incredible. I, I, New York's the spot that it can be 10 o'clock o'clock at night on a Tuesday and you can go for a business meeting yeah. and not feel bad for it. It's flipping great. Good on you, man. You're going to love it. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, I think Dude, it's absolutely awesome, yeah. It's... Well, oi, congrats on you. I'll let you go um, feed the dog or whatever it is that's about to go just destroy you there. Yeah. Um, enjoy the time at NYU. Props on everything you're doing, and, and, and thanks for joining me today, bro. Legend. Thank you very much, Robert. Nice to meet My you. Man. There you go, chin mate. Dude, two weapons. One's going to Duke, one's going to NYU. And wasn't that interesting that he'd never heard of the tall poppy syndrome? 
So that that gives me even more hope. It's like he's, they've obviously got two weapons that have surrounded themselves with good other good other uh, people. Uh, coming up to the, after the break, we've got business in a minute. Can eat your business better in one minute before um, today. Time with Karepi McDonald. Oh, day's going pretty good, team. Time now is twenty nine past twelve. Live from San Francisco and streaming now on Facebook Live. It's Rebet Live with how to turn your passion into profit on Today FM. There we go, 28 minutes to one. You're tuned in to Rebet Live on Today FM. Thanks for joining me. Question of the day, what's your tall poppy story? Text me through on 3920. Now it's time for business in a minute. One minute to make your business better. Every single year, I want to talk about this. It's called a stream. You do a stock take for your business. You do a stock take if you, you know, how many Coca-Colas do we have in the back of T-shirts and this and that. Do you do a streamlined stock take for your processes? Figuring out what you currently do, the workflows of what you do, how you do it. Are they documented? And then after you figure all that out, do you know what you can delete out of that that you potentially don't need? Do you know what you can delegate out of that? Or do you know what you can potentially automate? With technology now, there's so many things on a day-to-day basis, which I definitely automate up from emails going out to here, notifications, thing happening in there. And just looking at your workflows of what you're doing with how much time you waste doing stuff that's potentially, is not actually helping you in your business. The majority of, basically every single company has them. And a lot of times you don't, you know, put the space out for your business for you to be able to figure out what part of the business do I potentially not need to make it more efficient, make it more effective. You know, 97% of New Zealand businesses are small businesses with staff under 20. That means there's not too many people in there and you've got to do a lot of stuff. So when you've got to do a lot of stuff, the best thing to do is if you can do more of that, faster, better, quieter, quicker, whatever it may be. So that's the thing for the day. Set yourself once a year a streamlined stock take. Look through the workflows of what you do, document it down, write it all down. And ask yourself things, what can you delegate? What can you delete? What could you automate? And there is how you can save a bit more time to make your business a bit better. Then you've got more time for golf. You've got more time for seeing your friends. More time for doing work, work, yoga, whatever it is. That's how you do it. All right, team, time now is 26 minutes to one. Learning today, one phrase at a time. Rebet's Tereo on Rebet Live. I never get sick of that track. I don't care. I hear it every single week. I'm going to get pumped. It's just a straight banger. Right now, it's today time. As we do every week, we catch up with the bro, Karepi McDonald. And, oh, mate, we missed you last week, my friend, because someone got the old COVID, did we? How you? I hope you're back on track. I hope you're going to get to here, here, queer. Okay, to fire away. Okay, to order today. I'm still still alive, still kicking. Uh, much better than last week. Sorry, everyone. No, uh, we'll keep just keep keep on digging, keep getting straight into it. As uh, so our um, kiwaho to wiki is all at the marker, all at the marker. Now, this, um, there's a few uh, explanations to this, but it's actually a transliteration for over the mark. Kāpai, and over the mark, to, especially to us Māori, it's like out the gate, so it's uh, unusual. So you might have people who are out the gate, they've got it, they're a bit unusual, a bit strange, but you know they still get the job done. The, their ways of doing things might be a bit different to how you do them uh, normally, but they still get, get it done at the end of the day. So our phrase for the week is, or at the marker. Our price are over the mark. Kia ora and kwerataki. That's all, my friend. Or at the marker. 
I like it. Hey, rest up. Keep going. I hope you get back to 100% yes. sooner rather than later and enjoy the rest of the weekend, my bro. Oh, Temaka. I like yes, it. Yes, you too. Yes. Oh, Temaka. Hey, Legend. There you go. and McDonald from Culturefly. Oh, Temaka. Over the mark. Unusual. Well, I've definitely been called that a, a bunch or doing things a bit differently. I like it. Weird is wonderful, team. Oh, Temaka. Question of the day. What is your tall poppy story? Text me through 3920. Time now is 24 minutes to Bet live. On Today FM. I always like a good scribe track from Christchurch. It's just a great little relaxing thing. It's time for my three cents. Today I'm going to talk about some content stuff. Let's get into it. As the world of social media evolves and the algorithms get smarter by the second and ways to keep us consuming more than ever. I've definitely started to think about our consumption mindset. You know, we always get on the phone. All we do is consume, consume, consume. For those of us who constantly create or put, we put content out into the ether, why do we do what we do? You know, I've been creating content for a whole bunch of time now. And uh, what I've realized, I'm worried about the danger of always potentially pleasing others with why I create. Who am I creating for? You know, who am I creating for? And a lot of people... They don't, they create for others. They feel they feel obligated to be able to do it. So this is dangerous if you create for others because then essentially it hamstrings yourself to the needs of what others expect from you. And for myself, I definitely never wanted this to be the case, which is why every single year I pick up my phone once in a while and I just totally delete all my social media off my phones. Yep, absolutely everything. I delete my Instagram, my, my, my Facebook, my LinkedIn's, Twitter, TikTok, everything goes off my phone and I just go on with life. And honestly, it doesn't even faze me. Faze me, Because I never want the idea of um, thinking that the only reason I'm creating is for the expectations of others or what they potentially need from me. No, in, in some cases, I don't feel like I have anything to say. And that's totally okay. Sometimes people feel forced that they have to always be putting stuff out there into the world and posting, 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 doing that. And the reality is, you don't. It's sometimes it's totally okay. It's sometimes cool just to be able to shut up and just cruise in public silence. Sometimes what actually happens when you take yourself off the flipping grid is you got more headspace and you realise that you're not in consumption mode just watching what everyone else is doing, wasting a whole bunch of time, and it actually becomes good for a mental little social media detox. And for weird, as much as I do online, as much as I create, it's actually really refreshing when you delete it all away and you just move on with life. I just never want to feel like I'm uh, only creating for others' expectations or needs from me, you know. Um, and... The danger with that too is then sometimes you can get caught up feeling you obli obligated to have to create or have to do and have to push out, which ends up you basically kind of start resenting it. And when you start resenting it, that never gets good because it's never sustainable. You can't do that for years because eventually you're just going to be like, stuff this and move on to the next. So it's always about trying to find the balance of what's organic and, and right for you. Um, you know, because the amount of content that I choose to put out into the world, I do definitely feel there's, you know, perceptions and expectations of me sometime. And I, I feel there's a lot for me, a lot of my time, a lot of my energy. And for the most part, I have no issues with that whatsoever. But realistically, if, you know, if what you're doing in the world is constantly driven around creating or doing or everything for everyone else and doing nothing for yourself, then you kind of get stuffed. And that's just something I, I definitely just choose not to do. Um, the best things I've ever done in life and show for yourself as well is when you want to do something, you're passionate about it and you just want to get it out your chest or you want to get it into the real world. Then when you do have moments like this, you know, your passion is better, your energy is better, the material and whatever you create into the, into the world is better. You know, about you go the other way, sometimes when you feel like you have to do something, you just, you know, create or just do it for doing its sake. You're just ticking the boxes and going along with it. It's not polished. It's pretty average. It's probably a little shit. 
just not that good when re- realistically it can be 10 times better. You know, when you look at the ecosystem of content specifically, it's changing super fast, right? Like we didn't even have social media until, you know, 15 years ago. And so now everyone's grown up with this bright new thing and how content's changed, the platforms have changed. What's new in 2008 is now dead now. What was new in 2008, it's always changing, it's always evolving. The good news is, I think, say even you look at the social media, the great news I think anyway, is a whole bunch of these different influences, whatever, they've calmed down. Things have calmed down a little bit because everyone realizes that it's not perfect and hashtag blessed and the filters aren't really reality. And that's one of the good things I think about, you know, the humanization or just the the transparency of things like TikTok and stuff. You can be there with your PJs just dancing with TikTok. And it's just more, it's more, it's showing us more how we are, which is we're human, we're imperfect, we're flawed, we're real. Um, So, don't feel that you owe any anyone with your posting your content if you get forced to. You don't. Don't feel there is one set way to make it in whatever it is you're doing. There isn't. Don't put yourself out there if you don't want to. If you suck on camera and people think, don't do it. It will never last. And don't get trapped into one thing, definitely. Don't get trapped into the notification bell giving you these fake pops of dopamine and relevance because that's not real too. It's dangerous. So if you want to create and go, create. If you've got something real that you want to say out into the world, say it. If you've got something epic that you'd like to share and help many others, share it. Put it out there. If you've got a point you'd like to make, make it. If you've got an idea you want to get, go do it. Build it. Create it. Just my two cents. And anyway, right after um, I did that, I last week I went and just deleted all my social media off my phones again. Just like that. So that's my three cents for the week. Usually it's two cents, but I have a little bit more. That was three. Be wary of the expectations of others with why you do what you do. Making sure it's about you first. Any feedback we'd love to hear from your tall poppy, um, your tall poppy story, text me through on 3920 or you can call through on 0800 Today FM. After the break, it's Learn, Share, Repeat with Dave Armstrong from Newbrook. This is going to be a banger. This is episode 320 of Rebet Live. Right now on Today FM, streaming live on Rover on the smartphone app. The time now is 18 minutes to one. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. It is 15 minutes to 1pm. Welcome back to Rebet Live, episode 320. On Today FM, you can find out more about us on todayfm.co.nz or follow us on our social media channels, the Facebook, Instagrams, Twitters and the TikTok. Search for Today FM New Zealand. I hope your Saturday is charging along. I hope it's good. If it's cold, I hope you got your feet up. I hope you got the fire on. Got some a heavy, nice pen and wire right in front of you. Actually, wait a second. It's 5.45 here in the States, so you probably it's a bit too early for the heavy pinot. Anyway, it's time now for Learn, Share, Repeat, and uh, this is where we catch up with a weapon in the little business industry. And we, we ask them... What's the best podcast you listen to? What best books are you learning from right now? And very excited to be joined by a good friend of mine and also a weapon on the financial front. His name is Dave Armstrong. He's the director of Newbrook Private Capital. How are you, Dave? How's things, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. It's uh, just just on the penal thing. You know, you got you can't forget having a nice whiskey by the fire as well. And it's you know oh. it's never too early for for a good single the- malt. You know. With that accent, I'd expect nothing less. Well, well done, mate. I hope this Saturday is charging for you. How's things down in the dirty, dirty south in, in the old crushers in the 03? What's going on? Yeah, no, it's good. So, look, we had a horrible week of rain, to be honest, but the sun's come out today, which is awesome. Um, well, obviously, we've had school holidays down here, so we've had a break. I usually, my um, son usually plays footy on the weekend, and I'm the coach, so it's been nice having a couple of weekends off, actually. So they're currently out washing my car after we crashed the drone at the park. So, you know, it's, it's a good, good family day. 
There you go. Uh, for those that aren't aware of uh, about with uh, Newbrook and what you do, give everyone a quick con- uh, quick bit of context and we'll jump into it. Yeah, yeah, sure. So look, it's quite simple. So Newbrook was set up as the entity to try and help Kiwi SMEs raise funding from private markets so that they can grow. That's the, that's the crux of it. There was a big gap in the market for businesses trying to raise that sort of one to 10 million space to really pop and sort of take on the world a little bit more. And there wasn't really much support in that space. So yeah, we set up the business sort of three to four years ago, and yeah, we we're, uh, we've literally just as of this week, we just closed our um, our fifty million dollar milestone. So that's been pretty exciting for us. Well, that sounds like another great time for a whiskey, mate. So let's get into it. So you come from with Lynch, repeat. We we're trying to figure out, you know, what smart people are listening to, what are they reading. So right now in the world of Mr. Dave Armstrong, director of Newbrook Private Capital, what is the top? Let's start with books. Let's start with some reading. What are you currently reading right now to learn and get so smart to do good things? Yeah, look, so I've, I've got, I'm really enjoying this book at the moment called Creative Confidence by Tom Kelly. Um, it was a, So it was recommended to me by um, a lecturer, and, you know, I'm not a creative person. I don't have that kind of mindset. If anyone knows me, I suck at websites and social media and all that kind of stuff, you know. You do suck at you do, you do suck at that, Dave. You, do, you suck at that. I do, I do. I'm not a marketer <laughs> yes. whatsoever, um, you know. But uh, it's quite a, it's a good book, eh? So, like, uh, what I've really enjoyed about it is that it's sort of it's it's written in a way for people like me that you know don't have a you know don't have a creative bone in our body, but had to train our minds to be a bit more creative and sort of nice. pro- and sort of taking a more analytical view about it and a bit of a step by step process to how you can actually do it. And so, yeah, it's, it's really good book. So we actually used it in the business ourselves. So you know, we we went out with this product called um, Capital Map, which is this interactive valuation token we built and that was built because we had this great big spreadsheet with all this data that you know i would share to people but you know they didn't get excited about spreadsheets as i did so it was you know based on what the book was talking about was um you know how do you how, how do you look at it from the end user's point of view and what actually adds value and gets them excited so yeah it was all how do we take something like that and go through the process to make something that's um yeah hell of a lot better to be honest Good on you. So obviously, from the that's from the creative side of trying to you know have a more of an analytical view on creativity for someone that's pretty commercial. But I'm imagining you're reading a whole ton of you know commercial publications and stuff to stay up to date. So what where, what are you kind of reading in, in that world? Like where do you get updated from? What what's at the top of your list when you get into the bookmarks to to try and learn on a daily basis or weekly or whatever it is within the financial space? Uh, I, to be honest, I read a lot of news. So, you know, I read the, all the major news ones, to be honest, and then I'll usually find the odd article. Um, I get a bit, uh, when I'm in the car, I listen to a podcast, um, you know, typically, you know, and that's where I get quite a bit of news from as well on what's happening in the financial world. So, you know, if I'm driving to work by myself, typically I'll listen to The Economist, um, which sounds, you know, really, really boring. And to be honest, it, in short bars, it's fine, but it does definitely give you keep up to date with what's going on in the world and, you know, what's happening on stuff that's not just financial world as well, but, like, I was listening to one about, you know, how the U.S., and you probably know a lot more about this than I do, why, you know, the FCC and stuff are actually a little bit concerned about the growth of TikTok, you know, and the stuff that's coming out of that, and, yeah. you know, are they scanning our faces and sending all this data back to China, and, you know, what's going on there, and billion-dollar people uh, databases, and, yeah, so it's real interesting. So that's where I kind of unwind on that stuff and yeah I usually read the news in the mornings and in the afternoon um New Zealand's a pretty small place so you know you, you can find it stuff pretty easily and then um but if it's kids in the car uh we're, we actually listen to this podcast called um this podcast has fleas which is a um wait 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 uh, what <laughs> you should what? look it up it's called this this podcast has fleas so 
it's a very clever podcast where it's um, from the point of view of the family's pet. So you know they've got um, they've got Kitty from the litter box, and they've got the um, the dog, and they talk about what's happening in the world. You know, you, you might learn something actually. They've got Kitty from the litter box, and they've got the um, the dog, and they talk about what's happening in the world. You know, you, you might learn something actually. You know, there's some good stuff that they're doing in there with some music and DJ and stuff, and kids love it, eh? You know, so it's actually quite good to unwind and add something that's a little bit different to listen to. Well, just it's the first time I've heard. Well, why my ears pricked up. It's the first time I've heard of someone having a podcast that they'll listen to in the car with their children. The, oh yeah, which is yeah. no okay. So that's it's really interesting. So there's I had, I I, uh, I throw on you know they, they're into you know just anything to do with oh mate these flipping kids you know what it's like geez they've got their own playlist with the kids bop and all the rest of it but now hey if I can shift them away from the kids bop into some podcasts hey I might, I might take some storytelling over over that any day that's pretty interesting. Yeah, no, it's good. So, like I say, after listening to the Wiggles for you know until my ears started bleeding, that was the case. My wife found it, and um, yeah, they absolutely love it. And then um, yeah, you know, like it's kind of opened that whole world up. So you know, the other the other good thing with the kids is that what my other son, he's um, he's seven, so you know he reads the odd book, but what he's really loving is audio books at the moment, which is pretty no cool. Way. So, you know, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he loves a good audio book before bed, which is good because you know we got three of them, so. It's a bit of a bit of a mission because they all decide they have to go to bed at the same time, and when it's a full moon, it's you know it's a bit a bit crazy in this house. But uh, uh, yeah, it works quite well if you can just sit and listen to a podcast, but something while we deal with the other two little minions. So, do you put just quickly on them? I'm thinking about logistics. I've got two young daughters, three and four. Do you give them headphones? Do you have it on speaker when they've got different ones, or do you give them a different device each and just let them pass out? Like, what do you how do you, how do you logistically do it in terms of the 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 audio segmentation with the outputs? How how do we navigate that? Uh, so, look, it's because he's the oldest, he can be trusted. So I just give him my phone and tell him not to phone anyone or make any business decisions or any trades. And, uh, you know, he just listens to it on the, on the phone while, you know, because uh, we got a he's seven, next one is five, and then Harper, our youngest, is three. So typically Harper will go with her mum and I'll go with Logan. And, yeah, by the time they get into bed, then, yeah, he's, he's listened to his audio book and, yeah, she's all done and dusted. So it's all about teamwork. <laughs> and, the, and you come back and just hope he hasn't, um, you know, uh, made some trades on the crypto funds or whatever it is that that, that, that he did on the apps where you trade. He's made no trades. Yeah, no, he's fine. It's his brother that I'm a bit worried about with that stuff. He's made the odd purchase before, and <laughs> I get the odd text saying that uh, yeah, there's been a few things spent on Nintendo Shop, which is uh, that's a big lesson I learned is how to uh, delete your card from the Nintendo store. Oh, there you, there you go. Okay, so you've got the books. We've got Creative Confidence by Tom Kelly. Essentially, it's this like analytical view on creativity, which is which is pretty interesting. And then you're, on the podcast side, you've got The Economist. And then if you've got the kids in the car, you've got uh, This Podcast Has Fleas. There we go. All right. Hey, um, before we go, uh, Dave, I was going to ask you this. Tall poppy syndrome in New Zealand, we just had a couple of guests on where we were sort of talking about it. Do you have a little, I guess, tall poppy story of, of your own, you know, obviously you're in the bank before you went out and started your own sort of thing or headspace or imposter syndrome or something. Do you have a little story or something which you could share? Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a thing, isn't it? You know, like no, no one can um, say that it does not exist in New Zealand. It clearly does. Um, I remember when I was in the bank, um, I very, very much remember someone telling me once that, um, Dave, you can be successful, but you don't shout it from the rooftops, okay? <laughs> and that was, uh, you know, it was a case of don't blow, you know, don't blow your own trumpet and know your your place sort of thing. And then um, you're getting into the w- real world. Um, yeah, imposter syndrome is a big thing, so especially when, you know, you're a small business like ourselves when we first started and, 
you know, we we, tip, we can deal with all levels of business. You know, we're we're dealing with some very, very, very large corporates sometimes, and um, you definitely do. You get a little bit of that imposter syndrome sitting in these meetings, going, "Oh, should I really be here?" You know, and it's almost the yeah. self doubt kicks in as well because it's that whole whole poppy thing that comes into it that you know don't get too big for your own shoes. Um, so yeah, it's a real <clears throat> mindset that we need to try and shift in this country. I think. Mm, no, I totally agree. Uh, well, hey, really appreciate your time. Best of luck with um, the rest of the day. Hopefully Grom doesn't go make any more um, purchases on the Nintendo store. Uh, enjoy the rest of it, mate, and I'll talk to you in a bit. Thank you, mate. Thanks for that. Talk soon. Absolute legend. There you go. Dave Armstrong, director and CEO at Newbrook Private Capital, based out of the Dirty Chitcha. Those books were Creative Confidence by Tom Kelly and the podcast were The Economist. And if you've got kids in the car, this podcast has fleas. Just like that. Uh, coming up after the break, before we reach the top of the hour, it is Ask Robert. If you've got a question, you can text me through 3920 right now. Text me anything you'd like. And as I say every week, I may not be right, but I'll definitely give it a crack. And then if I'm wrong, someone will text me through and say, hey, you're wrong, and then I'll happily update you. So there we go. The time now is five minutes to one. And now. Ask Robert. You can ask me anything. That's why we've got three minutes to one o'clock. Almost there to Rebecca Live, episode 320 on Today FM. Question that got sent through via the text messaging machines is from Natasha and Rakaya. Oh, Rakaya, there you go. Uh, where is the best place to find investors? Great question. Natasha from Rakaya, thanks for texting through. Now, the average answer would say, go to the angel groups on the pitch night or... You could go public and do this. You could go, you, yes, you could do your friends and family. They call it friends and family, but most people call it friends and fools. Uh, I've got a better potential suggestion. What you do, you go into this thing called www.linkedin.com. It's called LinkedIn. And what you do is you search for investors that live in New Zealand. And literally you go to the search bar, you type an investor, then you type in a location, then you find a who they are, and you're like, Oh, Jingle Bells, that's exactly so-and-so. Now, what you do before just blast out to a bunch of them, do some specific digging. Find out if they invested into, you know, med tech, deep tech, startups, manufacturing, whatever it may be. Do some digging and some research so you've got more context. When you've got more context on who you want to try and go after, you've got a better shot at actually getting a bit more of a win. So what I would do personally if I wanted investors right now in Aotearoa, New Zealand, is I would go onto LinkedIn.com, I would search for investors, I would then figure out who lives in um, Aotearoa, what they're involved with, go to their websites, find out what they've, where they're kind of placed in position. Because every single investor's got a sweet spot that they want to go after. Everyone's got a sweet spot. Try and find that. Because if I invest in the health tech sector and someone comes to talk to me about an app for dogs or something I don't actually care about, I don't care about it. Opposed to if someone comes specifically, hey, I know that you've done this deal. I have done my research. This is what I'm worried. That's the best way to do it. So, yes, you can do a bunch of other stuff. But, but realistically, LinkedIn is the way to potentially do it. If you want to do it fast and quick, there you go. Coming up on the next hour, we've got a whole bunch of good stuff. More to come, but right now it's going to be news, sport and weather as we finish up hour number one on Rebecca Live episode 320. That's at AFM. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebecca Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Hour number two, episode 320, we'll be at live. We chat through commerce, community and culture. 
simple goal of New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. Coming up on this hour, international travel for small and medium businesses is back and smashing it. We're catching up with Keely Alton, the GM for Corporate Traveller in Aotearoa, New Zealand, to talk through, you know, the changing landscape of how things are happening with with uh, with business. We're catching up with Tall Poppy Profile by Dan Phillips. He'll be joining us. He's the co-founder of Beer Hug, super fresh craft beer, talking about growth, e-commerce, things expanding, going well and smashing business. And then we're talking about inflation with the bro Paul Conway, Chief Economist at the Reserve Bank of Aotearoa, New Zealand. And just quickly, team, I was just listening to the news then as I do, being such the attentive Kiwi that I am. Listen about this Brian Tamaki thing. Now, look, I don't know him personally. I don't know him personally. I've just heard some things. And it just really feels... I don't know if he's actually really trying to help Aotearoa <laughs> by doing what he's doing. It feels maybe he's just pissing a bunch of people off and potentially driven more by ego than actually help and inclusiveness to support Aotearoa for better. Could be wrong. It's coming off like a bit of a... Bit Bit of a kook right now, actually. It doesn't sound too good. Anyway, uh, you can text me through on 3920. The question for today was, uh, what is your tall poppy story? Uh, the number to call through is 0800 Today FM if you'd like. But let's get into hour number two. The time now is four minutes past one. Rebet Live. All right, data from New Zealand's leading travel management provider for SMEs, corporate... All right, data from New Zealand's leading travel management provider for SMEs, Corporate Traveller, has shown a steady increase in international bookings as New Zealand travel restrictions ease. As they would, everyone's been built up, pent up. They want to get into the real world, get out there, reconnect with everyone. So we're catching up with Corporate Traveller's uh, New Zealand General Manager, Keely Alton. Kia ora, Keely. How are you and how was your Saturday? I am in Auckland and I have... Just got out there and enjoyed the sunshine today because it's forecast to be pretty dismal tomorrow, so I'm happy to be outside. There you go. So let's talk about business. Let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about... Actually, we don't need to talk about COVID. That's 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 old news, mate. We're, we're, we're trying to reconnect so, the world so and get back year. onto it. That's so last year. That's, so, that's like the that's the old pink. So let's, let's go through this right now. What have you seen from a data perspective as the world has opened back up simultaneously with businesses wanting to, I guess, reconnect with, with clients loved ones, the world, whatever it may be. What, what have you seen at a macro? I mean, look, you know, for us, just seeing all of those small, all of our smaller customers were so quick out the gate. As soon as the MIQ was dropped and restrictions were being lifted around the world, they were just out there, whether they were sporting um, industry, whether it was technology, manufacturing, you know, medical freight, they were all just straight out there as soon as they can. And, and that growth has just continued to build. And with, you know, with more and more restrictions dropping, it's going to increase. We're in the school holidays right now. So in the corporate travel world, it always slows down a little bit while people take some time out. But um, the trajectory is still showing that nice growth for our, for our small to medium-sized customers. It's been very exciting. So pre-COVID, obviously, it was 100%. What, what percentage of, I guess, busyness are we seeing right now? Like, how much has it built back so far? And where do you sort of see this going to in the next 12 months? Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of our international volume, when you look at actual sales, you know, it, it, we're sitting at about just over 60, sort of, over 65%, climbing to 70. Now, that is somewhat artificially incorrect. Uh, in, uh, 
increased because ticket prices are much higher. Um, so if we look at actual volume that we're managing, it's probably closer to 50%. So if we think about how many ticket numbers we're actually sort of processing in that international space. I mean, you know, trying to get a seat on a plane is difficult. Um, you know, waitlisting and the availability is not there. So even the time taken to, to, to book a trip takes some time. And, you know, it, it's heavily dependent on more carriers coming back into New Zealand, which, you know, we envisage that ramping up towards the end of the year when we have our tourists come back for the summer because obviously we've lifted our testing requirements, uh, border restrictions, so our, our tourists are due to come back for the summer months particularly. More tourists coming in means more air capacity coming in, means our business travellers get more tourists going back out again, which is, um, you know, what we're all looking for for the end of the year and, and making it a bit easier to just, you know, get a seamless online booking <laughs> and, get a, and get seat availability, really. Got it. So by Christmas, do you think if, if it basically saying volumes at 50, revenues at 65, obviously has been the 15% bump up and because of supply-demand side, what percentage yeah. do you think it's going to get to from a volume perspective by Christmas? Are we th- are we thinking it's going to be back to kind of like 60, 70, or do you think it's really going to crank back up to what it was as everyone really gets out? I yeah, no, I, I don't think we're going to be getting back to those 100% levels that we've seen. You know, I just I think with with the Asian market as it is, it's not going to happen as much. But you know, I'd love to I'd love to think there's 75 to 80% coming into the end of this sort of calendar year and then naturally the corporate world slows down again (laughs) because we all you know we all shut down for the six weeks of summer and then you know get past the summer and that capacity there and the demand is still there i see no reason why we wouldn't be up at 100 percent early in the next year so i want to jump there for a second keely you just (laughs) which is i i start to smile at because i've obviously been in the states uh businesses on these corporate side, they basically shut off for the six weeks of summer. Everyone gets out, they go to the batches, get the fun yeah. out of town, they go relax, whatever. Yeah. The craziest thing with people in Aotearoa don't understand when you think about the States, because I'm here in San Francisco, Silicon Valley side, is Christmas holidays for someone in America that works at a business is insanely, horrendously bad. This is what you get. Like you days, even get off, <laughs> dude, you get, you get Christmas day off and then you maybe get Boxing Day off, the 25th and 26th, then you only get Christmas and then you get New Year's Day off. You get three days and you go, so so put it into New Zealand context. If it's like the 17th or the 15th of December, you're like, yeah, nah, stuff it, I'm out of this. I'll, I'll see, you, see you in the middle of June, middle of January. Here it's like, no, no, you go, to, you go to work on the Wednesday and then it's Christmas on Thursday and Friday and then you come back to work on Monday like nothing happened and that was it. And everyone's like, oh, how was the Christmas meal and whatever. It's insane that there's no, like, balance, from the, the, which is why I just I started, started joking. But where I wanted to get to, Keely, was around the supply and the demand and supply side. Now, f- f- getting planes has been tricky. So for those that understand actually what's been happening with why aren't there enough planes and flights and staff and whatever, what is actually happening at a macro that's affecting so much on price? I mean, it comes down to the number of airlines that are coming into the country. That, that's as simple as that. So we've got our top three carriers for Air New Zealand, um, Qantas and Emirates. 
um, in terms of an international travel space. And, you know, we just need more carriers to come in. And that has always been, has been heavily dependent on domestic inbound tourism. So, you know, outbound tourism and inbound tourism, they do rely heavily on each other. You know, what one can't operate you know, um, cost efficiently, if you like, without those two in unison together. Um, so we do really need to see that come in. Um, you know, we're not in peak season for inbound tourism right now. I mean, we, we have the snow, absolutely. And, you know, we're definitely seeing volume coming in from across the Tasman. But, you know, that core tourism board will start coming in towards the end of the year. And that's when we'll see capacity start to lift. We're seeing new routes open up direct to New York City, back to Chicago. You know, there's, there's going to be more capacity. There's going to be more options again. So it's just exciting seeing the new routes get dropped and then that's new ways to get over to North America. And, and North America is actually our biggest growth base at the moment for New Zealand in the corporate sense. So it's actually growing more than it is across the Tasman, which is quite surprising when I looked at that a few minutes ago. Kelly, I was just going to ask you, so you talked about inbound and outbound. For those that aren't aware how these kind of intersection intersect, why does it matter between inbound versus outbound why Kiwis either can't get out or can't come in to get flights to be able to go do what they want to do? Explain that correlation for those that aren't aware. Yeah, so I guess, you know, the number of passengers coming into New Zealand pre-COVID will probably be the number of tourists, if you like, coming into New Zealand will probably outstretch the number of travel, business travellers, if you like, going out of the country. So, you know, realistically, getting those cheap seats and getting that competition going really needs more airlines. And the airlines that are coming in from overseas is dependent upon the demand that they're seeing from their local their local booking sources. So, you know, my, my family's from the UK and, you know, and they're not seeing a lot of availability to come and visit me, for example. So, you know, prices for them are actually a bit higher and they, they're they sort of waiting to see if more airlines come on. So it, it's, it's a bit of a, a, a I guess it's like, a, I'm not quite sure how to put it really, but I guess the airlines have got to wait for that balance of inquiry <laughs> and demand for them to go, okay, let's put more on. Yeah. And so they've got to see that demand going in both directions and not just return, um, you know, Kiwi travellers travelling return. Right, it's got to be those inbound passengers as well. Now, before we go, I'm, I'm interested to ask Kelly, through COVID, basically everything became Zoom calls and everyone got sick of looking at the screen and having sore yeah. ears because they had to plug in flipping for eight hours a day and it became a flipping gong show. How do you think travellers or interaction has changed with the crave for human connection like talk me through i guess the, the what you're what you're seeing and what you're looking at for the data of actually the crave and need for face-to-face -face when it comes to business and trust and relationships and getting deals done or whatever it may be just talk me through that i'm interested for your thoughts yeah so it, it's definitely that when we talk about the people that are traveling the most it is the small business owners because for them to get out there face to face and secure trade deals or negotiate terms and conditions that's something you know that is still heavily based in person but when we look at our larger customers you know perhaps government or uh, banks or, or other customers like that they are returning to international travel at a much slower pace because they've adopted to a certain level of you know online meetings and so they're all sort of working through well what's normal we now know that we can do so much more online um so we'll, we'll, we we want to stick to that but actually 
the productivity that you find in actually coming together as a group to do whether it's strategic planning whether you need to do learning and development these things are just so much more efficient and i've experienced it myself you know i've been over to aussie a couple of times and since the borders have opened and i've been fortunate enough to take part in planning days and what you can what you can accommodate what you can get done in a day versus perhaps the you know, three separate sessions over Zoom is is quite is quite different. It's much more efficient doing things in person, and that's my personal experience. And and that's what our customers are seeing. It's it's just striking that balance between the, the cost of travel now versus the efficiency of getting it done in person. Right, and these are considerations that I'm sure all of our customers are thinking about. But that that trade and negotiations piece that face-to-face relationship building is still as important as it ever was but potentially those internal meetings they're the ones that might be looking at and being more scrutinized in this new world really interesting insights i um, really appreciate you joining us thanks so much kelly and um yeah it's, it's gonna be interesting to see how it all plays out in, in this next 12 months that's for sure thanks so much for, for jumping for in for sure no worries bye very cool. That was Corporate Travellers and New Zealand General Manager Kelly Elton. One of the funny things about that is, say in the States when it all went to zero and then um, airlines opened back up, there was a question that I asked to one of the CEOs, I think it was of, of Southwest, someone said, oh, you know, you've obviously noticed your business travels at zero percent with any of these sales teams that are hitting the road, blah, blah, blah. And he said, yeah, you're right. But you watch what happens when someone comes back and they close a deal a big deal because they turned up in person to show the other person that they actually cared and they had a genuine connection. And so there's something there around the decision-making side of anyone in an organisation who is going to be selling and needs to be there for in-person negotiation. Those things are going to matter potentially more. But, you know, for the, 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 the sales side and the external-facing stuff, yes, but I totally agree with Kelly. A lot of the stuff in the middle, there's plenty of these things that are saving, you know, these companies, you know, millions of dollars by not having to send people everywhere. But then simultaneously, the care at the top, you can't get past the fact that real-world human connection, you know, you don't get water, water cooler moments of ideas and inspiration on a flipping Zoom call. Like, that just doesn't happen. You know, humans are humans that need to connect. Uh, after the break, we're going to be speaking with the bro, Dan Phillips, from um, from Beer Hug, super fresh craft beer. And the question for today is, what is your tall poppy story? Text me through on 3920. The time now is 17 minutes past one. Mentor, Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebet Live. On Today FM. The show that loves tall poppies. Rebet Live. Here's this week's Tall Poppy Profile. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody Everybody's hands go up. up and they stay there because we like to celebrate winning here at Today FM with Rebet Live episode 320, Tall Poppy Profile. We like to give people props when they're doing good stuff. We like to talk about and learn some things. So I'm stoked for this week's Tall Poppy Profile to be joined by Dan Phillips. He's the co-founder of Beer Hug. Super fresh craft beer. Kia ora, Dan. How are you, my friend? Kia ora, Robert. How are you, mate? Good to talk I to you. I am. Dear, you too, my bro. Uh, where are you in Aotearoa and how is your Saturday rolling? I am in uh, Little Manly Beach in Whanukaroa. Uh, my Saturday's good. I went out to the golf course and, and practiced. Did hit 200 putts and 200 chips. And so I'm feeling good today. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Getting your lines right. You've been, you've been watching some of that. I won't get into the politics of the live versus PGA thing, but but I'm sure that the uh, game is coming along well. 
I've just picked it up after 20 years off. I've kind of just picked it up again in the last uh, couple of months. I'm loving it. It's really good getting out and, you know, getting back into it. I love it, mate. When I'm back, we'll have to go for a hit. So with um, with Bear Hug, you've come from the agency landscape. You're a weapon in the media space. And now you've got Bear Hug, which is New Zealand's biggest specialist online craft beer retailer, which is pretty amazing. So how did you go from like, hey, here I am doing the agency stuff to like, let's sell some awesome craft beer online and get into the e-com space. Talk me through the genesis. Yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, I, I had uh, what ended up being about 15 years in, in agency land. So I started at Sachi and Sachi and then... Um, was uh, with Young and Shand as a minority partner for uh, seven or eight years, and we grew that from three of us to eighty of us or seventy of us at the, at the peak, and that was that was really good. But I, I kind of um, after eight years doing that, I just felt like my journey was over, and I was tired and grumpy, and I wasn't a very good, probably not the best parent or or um, or husband, and and um, you know, I just needed a break, so. I, I stopped that and had a break took my kids and family to, to China and travelled for a couple of months. And I didn't really know what to do, so I thought I'll just say yes to everything. Um, after, you know, after I stopped being tired and got a, got a bit of energy, I was like, uh, uh, I don't I don't know what to do. So whatever whatever pops up, I'm going to say yes to and, and see where it takes me. So you know, I had lots of kind of agency style um, strategy gigs, which is really cool, and I still do a bit of that, and it's really it's really awesome. But one of the really cool opportunities was a couple of mates wanted to start a beer e-commerce business and, and brought me into it. Um, we'd kind of um, noticed that craft beer wasn't really selling well online. It was, there was lots of lots of operators, but it was kind of done in a quite a traditional way. Um, and we wanted to kind of figure out how we could do it better, you know, faster, um, more efficient, um, better experience. So, so that that's kind of where it all started. Um, when we um, when we first started the business, the big insight um, or the product insight is that fresh beer is better beer. So um, so what our mission was was to get craft beer into people's hands and mouths um, fresher from the brewery directly. Um, so when we first started the business, uh, the whole proposition was um, the freshest beer in New Zealand. What we do was, or what we did was we went around New Zealand breweries, got a relationship with them and asked them what they were canning this week or today. And we, actually, and we put a... Um, like a, a date of birth on all the beers that we were selling. <laughs> yep. So that was really cool. It's kind of it a new way to buy beer. Brewers, brewers loved it because their beer was getting into people's hands in the, in the best condition. Um, the problem was um, consumers didn't want it. They weren't prepared to pay a little bit of a premium to get slightly fresher beer than they could get at the supermarket. Huh. Um, so that was a problem for us, actually, because we'd invested a whole bunch of time, probably all of our money, and doing this fresh proposition that we thought was a winner, and it, and it just wasn't. Um, so, so, um, so we had to kind of pivot. Um, and we, during our kind of during the setup of that original business, we we did a, our own brewery tour around New Zealand, and we found all these amazing beers at the breweries that um, weren't at our local. Uh, and the brewers were most proud of the, the sort of um, weird or, or sort of crazy beer that they had. And the only place you could buy those was at the brewery itself, or a you know, a handful of retailers around New Zealand. And we kind of thought, how do we get these beers or this, the more of these beers out to people um, and, and make it really accessible? The thing is, with, with craft beer, like the 1% is the absolute nerds. That's their hobby. Finding new craft beer is their hobby, so they love it. But the rest of us who are into craft beer, but it's not our hobby, um, which I don't, it's quite confronting. Like, I'm not sure if you've been into buy craft beer to... At, a, at your local recently, but you go in and there's a thousand beers 
ranging from $8 to $15. You know, like, how do I make a decision here? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, we're, so we went about trying to solve that. Sorry, I'm rabbiting on. Is this okay? No, it's great. It's great. It's interesting for the genesis of the story. You know, you, you, you came into it, you uh, thought what you you figured out what you thought the solution was and then realised that the market said no, it was something else. So you've had to, they call it a pivot, Dan, ever in the COVID, they've, they've had the pivots, you've, you've had a little pivot. So where did the, um, so what is the, I guess, the, the products or services now? Like how did it, how did it change and tweak and where's that got you? Yeah, cool. So, so based on that, um, based on that, um, sort of the, the learning from the breweries around, you know, the best beer experiences or, or, or getting great beers for the breweries. We, we'd have, um, and also, like, uh, whenever we went to visit a brewery, we'd have an amazing experience. Like, the brewers would be really passionate. They'd have a whole bunch of beers we've never seen or tasted. And it just felt really interesting. It made craft beer more interesting. So um, what we did is we created a product called the Brewery Tour. It was a subscription-based um, offering, and basically you'd subscribe, and you, we'd give you a mix box from one specific brewery a month, and then you go from brewery to brewery to brewery every month. So you you subscribe to basically doing a trial of a different brewery every single time you get a box from us. That and is that, interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so basically so, instead of saying, so, hey, pick pick the product, you go in here, here's the platform of it, and then it's going to change each month, and then we're going to basically curate on a monthly basis what that subscription will be so you're engaged to stay with it because you're finding the nooks and crannies in each different one without having to lift a finger. So it's like curation at its finest, right? Absolutely, yeah. And and, and the decision becomes more binary. So you're either into craft beer or you're not, or you're not and you're into you want to try your experience or discover that what that brewery offers, the whole lot or not. So it makes buying craft beer so much easier than, you know, looking at a thousand cans going, how do I make a decision here? Yeah, true. Okay, well, I'm kind of, I'm even more pissed that you didn't offer me 10% to buy in about a couple of years ago, mate. Jeez, I thought we were mates, man. Jeez, what, what's happened? So let's talk through the growth and especially e-commerce now, right? So you, you, you've launched this thing, you've rolled it out. What have you learned about physical products plus meshing with the online world? Because obviously a lot of people have different products and stuff. Like what have you learned from the, I guess, the digital side of things? Well, so um, our model is dropshipped, so we don't touch anything. So we, um, all the beer comes direct from the brewery. Um, and that for us, that's been awesome because we can just focus 100% on growth or marketing. Um, so our our kind of two real focus areas for this business is creating a really great customer experience. Everything we do is how do we make it better, more more compelling, easier to use. And that, that's kind of the second one is how do we make buying off us incredibly easy? Mm. So we've made this really cool app that, um, you know, if you become a customer of us, every sort of two or three days we'll send you a, a, an email with a... Um, with a box of beer you might want, and all you have to do is reply to our email, yes, and, and we can process an order purely based off that email that you sent to us. So we're making buying off us like outrageously simple, which has you you know, been a game changer for our scale. So was the insight from that, basically you've simplified the complexity of the thousands of cr- the craft options into basically a binary yes, no thing, and the simplification is what's gonna allow its scalability? Yeah, that's what I, yeah, you've nailed it. I think that's, you know, my, my experience in a di- digital agency, it kind of, what I learned really early on is if you win, winning in digital marketing is just getting clicks. And if you can make the user experience really simple, you're more likely to win. So that's really what we've focused on is making great experience, making it simple to, to purchase from us. 
So talk me through something, because obviously a lot of people sell things online, they run their different businesses. From a customer experience side of things, when you look to find, I guess, the, the, the weak point in the, the company to try and fix or navigate energy, what was sort of your strategy or process of what data you took in to really try and figure out where the problem actually was? In terms of, um, the, the big insight we had was the one I talked about earlier was um, craft beer is so confronting. Unless you're a beer nerd and craft beer is your hobby, it's actually really hard to go and buy um, a beer and, and, discover, and go on a journey of discovery. So that was kind of what we really wanted to do was tell brewery stories um, and, um, you know, get rid of that, that, that big problem around craft beer is so hard to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that, that was that was probably yeah that that's the the main sort of focus area for for, for the problem solving we've been doing. Good on you, man. All right, so if people want to ch- uh, check it out with what you're up to with Bear Hug, where can they go? What can they do? Yep, so bearhug.co.nz. Um, if you subscribe to the brewery toy, you get ten bucks off if you put the discount code in. Um, yeah, or if you've got any um, bros in Australia, we're also on bearhug.com.au. Um, so we've been there for five months and we're, uh, we're starting to get a lot of traction and momentum there. So it's pretty exciting. So basically to recap, you found, you found a problem, you found the solution and you don't actually lift the finger because it's all drop ship. So basically you've cracked the code to craft, craft beer, mate. I'm absolutely, I'm stoked for you. It's awesome. Thank you. Well, I think, I don't know if we've cracked the code, but we're, we're putting our energy into what we're good at. My business partner and I, you know, we marketers. We're really good at marketing. We're terrible at logistics. So we kind of, we, we did a business model that that suited our skills really well. There you go, finding it. And um, I, like, I don't mean to harp on on it, but when you decide to expand into different beverages, potentially wine, I've, I've just been looking on GoDaddy and I saw that winehug.co.nz is actually available, so I'll be, I'll, I'm keen to jump in on a third. So just, just hey, maybe you've got my number, bro. You, you can help me out. We can, we can, we can dab. Oh, whiskey, whiskey too. We can, we can expand. Um, really appreciate right, your been, time, bro. We've been thinking about it. There you go, my man. Hey, appreciate you joining us, bro. Congrats on the success and, and stoke for you, man. Awesome. Cheers, man. Thanks for your time. There you go, the bro Dan Phillips, uh, man, weapon, co-founder of the Beer Hug, super fresh, I like to think fresh beer is better beer. Um, really good insight as well, trying to pivot from realising it's not about the million different products, but simplifying it to the platform of basically making a binary decision about something that you're into. If you've got a different business or product right now, you can look, ask yourself that similar question. Really good insights and figuring out what data to actually learn from before you make those decisions. Uh, and then making those pivots, obviously gone down well. So there you heard it here first. If they launch Wine Hug or Whiskey Hug without me, I'm going to be pissed. I've told the name. I might just go buy the domain name right now just to, out of pure principle to lock this shit down. And uh, that will be it. Uh, any feedback, we'd definitely love to hear from you. Text me through on 3920. And we got a text through off my little banter. He said, hi there, read Brian Tamaki. Oh, geez, here we go. Uh, he and Destiny Church need to stop taking money from the vulnerable. Oh, jingle bells. Uh, he's not short of money, just a waste of space, holding up motorists and causing stress for people who need to travel to and from A to B. Cheers, Sam. Well, Sam, I appreciate the vent. Um, you know, he may maybe he's a nice guy. Maybe he's not just driven by ego and toxicity to try and divide the nation. Maybe he's got a great heart that he's trying to, you know, connect us all to unify for a greater purpose for the country. You could be wrong, Sam, you know. How dare you just make such a such a such a judgment on him? He could be a great human being. Uh but from what I've heard so far, it sounds like he's causing a bunch of ruckus today, team. Um text me through the time now is twenty eight minutes to two. Rebet Live. Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today FM. 
Alrighty, 25 minutes to 2 p.m. Rebeer Live episode 320. Business in a minute. Let's get your business better in one minute, team. All right, today, pick your platforms. Social media platforms, that is. There's plenty of places you can go. You got the TikToks and the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the LinkedIn's and the everything. There's so many things out there. But for you and your business, look at what your competitors are doing and try to realize that you don't have to do everything. A lot of people don't have the bandwidth to be able to do a million different things. And if your customers or your audience that you're trying to get after isn't on the platform, why would you potentially be doing it and wasting your and allocating your time towards it? So my suggestion is find where most of the eyeballs will be for the demographic that you are. Then you go there, you try to find out where the eyeballs are, you try and educate them, then you try and execute, try and bring them across. But most people try to do everything and they do it half-arsely. Next thing you know, you go to their Instagram account or their Twitter account and they've just updated twice in the last three, the last year. Then it actually weakens your position and doesn't make you look good or pro at all. So pick your platform, choose it well, double down and go deep. Depth, not width. And realistically, you'd be surprised that the majority of people are actually just on one or two of these things that you actually want to get to for the decision-making side. So you don't need to try and be awesome at everything. Just find where the eyeballs are and go there first. That's, my friends, how you get more out of your business. Time now is 23 minutes. Today, Alrighty, feeling happier now. Let's catch up with Paul Conway. It's Conway's Corner on Rebet Live. We talked to him. He's the Chief Economist of the Reserve Bank of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Kia ora, Paul. How are you? Uh, kia ora, Rebet. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty good. Thanks. Surviving winter. Pretty wild uh, week uh, in the capital. Uh, but yeah, all good. All good. Uh, th- you were mixing winter with some beach time last week, and so now you're back in back in the mix, smashing it away. Uh, so yeah. this week, I want to talk. We had a little bit quick banter about what we talk about. We're going to talk about some inflation. So inflation, uh, obviously, yeah. you've taken on the big role now, of chief economist of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. You've been dying to get your hands in the mix, and now it's in there. You got quite a lot to do, mate. So what are you thinking about inflation? <laughs> oh, inflation. Yeah, I've been thinking about inflation a lot <laughs> this week kind of stressing about inflation because um, the you know, statistics New Zealand like every they measure inflation every quarter and it's it's what we call uh, CPI so consumer price inflation so it's meant to measure the change or the annual change in the prices of the sort of basket of goods and services that an average uh, household buys and what we learnt on Monday I guess it's no surprise to anyone inflation's kind of a pretty important topic at the moment, but it came in at 7.3% in the June quarter of this year. So in the three months to June 2022, the prices of a basket of goods that you know most households typically buy was 7.3% higher uh, than it was in those three months in 2021. So at the Reserve Bank, part of our mandate, like a big part of our mandate, is to keep inflation between 1% and 3%. So we tend to aim for the midpoint of that band, around 2%. Um, so obviously, you know, inflation at 7.3% is well uh, out of its box. And, you know, we've got a job on our hands bringing it back down uh, into that into that 1% to 3% um, target band. I should say, you know, we can chat about the reasons why it's uh, a bit high at the moment, but... Um, you know, it's sort of is driven by the things that particularly went up is the price of food, 
uh, the price of transport, which is kind of an oil uh, thing, uh, and also the, the price of uh, housing and, and also household utilities. They were kind of the main drivers of that 7.3% increase uh, in inflation. So I want to rewind back just a little bit. So the average Kiwi, if you're saying from year to year, it's 7.3. You're expecting one to three. Maybe it should ideally potentially sit around two. When was the, in comparison to say other countries or in the last time New Zealand had something like this, what, what is that kind of in comparison to? Like, is that kind of on par with other countries? Are they three to 4%? Like, are we higher, lower? Like just for a bit of context for those that don't know what, I guess, you know, how that sits with, have we been here before? What's that been like? What's the state, like just at the macro, where does it sit? Yeah. Like we've, we've had, you know, inflation in New Zealand in the kind of seventies and eighties, uh, you know, it was like 15 to 20% sort of thing. It was kind of the bad old days where the economy was getting thrown around by inflation, which is when we invented, actually, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand uh, invented this idea of inflation targeting, saying that central banks should, you know, the main thing that they can bring is to just keep inflation in check. And since we put that policy in place, which was adopted, you know, by most central banks around the world, uh, you know, we've actually been quite good at keeping inflation in its box, keeping it low and stable. There, there have been sort of outbreaks of inflation over the last uh, couple of decades where it's blipped up to, you know, 5% uh, sort of thing. But then, you know, we've managed to get it back down uh, into that band. So, you know, we have a band, but we expect that inflation sometimes will go through the roof and sometimes it will go through the floor. That's just the nature of the economy sort of getting pushed around. Uh, in terms of where we're sitting now um, at 7.3%, I think if you look at inflation across the OECD, uh, in New Zealand, we are below the average. So inflation is high everywhere, but to, to some extent or to a large extent, you know, this is a global phenomenon. So it's a global shock, There's sort of global reasons around supply chains and around, you know, the war in Ukraine that's driving these inflation outcomes. And, you know, we are sitting, I think it's just below the OECD average. So in the UK, uh, inflation there came out and it's you know, it's more like nine point something. And same in the US, the US inflation's nine point something percent uh, as well. So yeah, yeah it's, it's obviously too high. We've obviously got work to do uh, in front of us to get it to get it back down. Uh, but compared to the rest of the world, you know, we're on we're on the right side of, of that graph, uh, which is you know, which is reassuring. But you know, there's there's no question, Rebecca. There's with the central bank, we've got a job on our hands to, to get inflation back to where it needs to be. Yeah, so let's get into that. So you said, you know, the main ones being, you know, you got food, transportation and, and housing, and you talk about, you know, how do you sort of bring that back to normal? So, like, A, what's caused that? And then B, at a macro, what do you kind of do about it? Yeah, um, yeah, um, good questions. Like, in terms of what's driven it, it was, it was um, you know, we call it, we've talked about a supply shock in the past. So when the pandemic uh, came along, like essentially the way the way to think about inflation, it's sort of you know econ one hundred and one. Really, it's demand and supply. So if demand in the economy is too strong, if the economy can't sort of supply the goods and services that people want to buy, then prices you know tend to go up. Um, and you know what happened during the pandemic globally? Lots of people locked up in their houses uh, with lockdowns and things, and you know, sort of the labour markets became tight. People sort of turned off migration taps. So you know, we've sort of been living through a shortage economy uh, over that period. Um, but you know, as well as sort of 
um, the supply side, you know, those kind of shortages throughout the economy, uh, governments were also really effective at sort of keeping people attached to their jobs. You know, in New Zealand, we had the wage subsidy uh, and monetary policy. Interest rates were very low. So demand in the economy, you know, it stayed it stayed pretty strong, probably stronger than we anticipated. Um, so we ended up in a in a situation of reduced supply with, with demand still pretty reasonable, pretty strong. So that's sort of where inflation, you know, sort of kicked off. And, and then uh, on top of all that, we had supply chain disruption. Someone tried to drive a ship sideways up the Panama Canal, um, you know, and, and, and so and the whole kind of global supply system has been sort of in turmoil turmoil ever since and so you know again sort of restricting the ability of the global economy to supply the goods and services that are being demanded uh, by households um, so you know again it's inflationary and then, and then now you know more recently we've had you know Putin's um, insanity in, in the Ukraine uh, which has put a shudder through global energy markets and through food markets so again you know I think the Ukraine and Russia used to export 14% uh, of global calories that were traded, which is huge, and that's been locked up. So the price of food, you know, has kind of gone up off the back of that. So all of that has kind of contributed to inflation. You know, that's sort of what's kicked it off. And and now we're sort of getting people go, ah, oh, you know, everything's more expensive now. Um, so you know, quite reasonably and quite rationally, they go, well, I need a pay rise because you know. Mm. If, price of everything's gone up, I need to get paid uh, a bit more. So you kind of have that initial kick to inflation and then the risk is that it sort of gets into people's uh, wage rises and then businesses go, oh, if everybody's getting paid more, we've got to put our prices up. You know, so yeah. the risk is you end up in a kind of a destabilising price wage kind of spiral and, you know, the job of central banks is to, is to kind of push back. Uh, against that. You know, it's certainly the case we're, we're sort of poorer as a society because of all these price increases. So we're sort of figuring out who's going to wear that, if it's kind of business owners uh, or workers. You know, that's a sort of normal dynamics. But, you know, we central banks, we, we push back when we start to see that kind of wage price spiral uh, getting getting going because that's destabilising. We sort of spend our time, you know, chasing our tails uh, as an economy and, and stressing about these things rather than figuring out how to sort of be more productive and entrepreneurial and all that sort of stuff, which is really what drives, you know, prosperity and, and, and growth. That, so that's a really interesting point you brought up on the employee side, because I'm sure, you know, if an employee's sitting there, they're like, you know, I'm making 50 grand a year and all of a sudden if inflation's at 7.3 and, I'm, you know, if I don't get a pay rise for a couple of years or whatever, essentially, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm earning less. There's a, I've got less spending power. I can't buy as much, you know, things. Bread's going to be more expensive, milk and this and that. So I can mm. definitely see. And then, you know, to that point, all of a sudden all the employees start going to the employer saying, hey, inflation's at eight and I want to, you know, in, in inflation increase or whatever it may, may be, yeah. it, it gets, I can definitely see how that spirals. So someone's got to have to, you know, I guess hold the line there somehow. So from here, That's you know, it. you're, you're into month, month, what well, I think you're into month two now of, of, of the new role. Now it's really kind of cranking up. So the good news is, yeah. uh, the bad news is you're probably working, you know, 150 hour weeks, but the good news is, you know, at least you got the right guy in the job to try and figure this thing out. So how do you prioritize before you go? I want to actually, how do you prioritize your time over the next, say, couple of months to really try and do the big things that need to get done? Because I'm sure there's a lot of noise and a lot of stuff coming up. You and your emails are blowing up like crazy. Yeah. Everyone wants answers. Yeah, How yeah. do you prioritise what you know needs to get done next? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a cool question too. Like, like I kind of, 
I don't know, my, my honeymoon is over here. Like I've, you know, it's, we're into it. It's gritty and there's, there's heaps of issues and, you know, my inbox is a disaster zone. You know, the, the way I do that, and, and I don't want to be working stupid hours. You know, I, I really want to fix this problem, but I need to look after myself as well because if my well-being deteriorates or I get sick yep. or whatever, you know, and I'm no use to anybody. So it is about finding that balance. You know, where I'm at at the moment, Robert, it's just, you know, what, what can I do? Like, what's the one thing that I can sort of make happen? And really just yeah. using my time effectively and, and avoiding the situation of where I'm a bit scatterbrained and sort of jumping across a thousand issues. So, you know, focus is really important for me. And, you know, this focus around getting the economics team here really singing and, you know, this kind of external commitments. I love talking about this stuff. And I think, you know, helping New Zealanders understand what's going on in the economy is, is, is a good thing that, that I can do. So it's really sort of just shutting out the, the noise, you know, and just focusing on what's what matters, what's, what's important, what can I do today, now, um, that's going to lead to better outcomes for our, our country, you know, down down the road. It's it's an awesome position to be in. Like I, I am feeling a bit stressed with what's going down at the moment, but you know, I'm still pinching myself, going, oh my goodness, <laughs> what a spot to be at a time like this. I'm very well, grateful. It's, yeah, it's that the interesting dynamic of you know, weirdly enough, you've almost got that entrepreneurial mindset where, you know, as an entrepreneur, there's a million things you can do. You can do this, 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 launch this product, do that, go into this market, try this new service. Yeah. You know, you can you can try and go super wide and then it becomes that point of like the power of no. No is the new yes. Where is that focus? How do you dial down into? So, you know, in some weird way, mate, even though you've done all this corporate stuff for ages, you're probably feeling your headspace like a bit of an entrepreneur right now, mate. There's, there's, pl- yeah, there's yeah. a million things you could do, but it's choosing and prioritizing. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've learned heaps from, you know, kind of studying entrepreneurship and just listening to people like you, Rebecca. I've, I've learned plenty about how to be a good economist, how to, you know, make, get stuff done. That's it's cool. I, I think there are heaps of parallels between, you know, being a good public servant, being a good, um, you know, corporate person and, and being an entrepreneur uh, mm. in terms of the, you know, how to do it, the sort of techniques, the kind of, you know, mind control games you play with yourself to, to get the yeah. job done. That's cool. Well, I'm sure you've got plenty more stuff to do. So enjoy the rest of the weekend. Rest up, put your feet up, reset, and, and um, keep ready to keep smashing it. So yeah, awesome talking again, Paul, and I'll talk to you next week. Yep. All right. Good stuff, Rebecca. Nice chatting. Always mega having the bro Paul Conway on, Chief Economist for the Reserve Bank of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Coming up after the break, it's banter with Bruce, CEO of Spirit of Adventure. It was 10 minutes to two. Live from San Francisco. And streaming now on Facebook Live. It's Rebet Live with how to turn your passion into profit. On Today FM. There we go, seven minutes to two. Rebet Live episode 320 on Today FM. It's that time of the week we catch up with Bruce Pilbara, the CEO of Spirit of Adventure. Kia ora, Bruce, how are you? Kia ora, mate, how are you doing? Charging, mate, on the Saturday for Aotearoa. I am charging. It's Friday, Arvo, here. It's 6.54. It's almost 7 o'clock. About to go get some, some din-dins. How's your Saturday going? Good? Nice. Yeah, I'm just sitting back in the sun listening to a bit of Jack Harlow. Just, uh, <laughs> no, you're out, not. Really. You're in piss. <laughs> I am. This. You're not. No, you're not. You're I, too. I am. No. Sitting in the sun, bro. I'm just chilling. It's lovely. <laughs> Name two Jack Harlow songs. Uh, okay. Uh, Industry Baby is one of my favourites. 
<laughs> and first class on his new album is a really good piece. Oh, okay. I take it back. You, you're down. You're down with the culture, mate. I mess with you. All right. So oh, yeah. each week we yeah. catch up with with you to not only learn that you're you're down with the latest hip hippity hoppities from from the, the Kentucky world, um, but we you like to share yeah. some nuggets of wisdom or things that's on uh, your headspace. Go. Yeah, yeah, cool, man. You know, I got to speak at um at a high performance sport New Zealand this week uh, to the crew there, and of course we're coming up to the Commonwealth Games and. Um, and we just got talking about transformation and just sort of high performance. And, and I sort of walked away to the conclusion that High Performance New Zealand basically is a youth development organisation, just like the Spirit is. The Spirit's a youth development organisation, right? You take, really, you're working with young talent or young people and you're trying to discover that nugget, that, that diamond in the rough that, and often the person that gets in the way is the young person themselves, right? So you're just trying to get that out, give them some confidence and then, and then see brilliance. And um, one of the comments on the on on their webpage, which I really love, um, is that exceeding expe- exceeding expectations can never be taken for granted. We must never stand still and hope for one-off moments of brilliance. Hmm. So exceeding expectations can never be taken for granted, and we sh- we, sh- we must never stand still and hope for one-off moments of brilliance. And. Uh, I guess I was sitting here thinking, I'm 54 years old. If I live as long as my dad, that's 74. So I've got 20 more summers left. And when I started saying mm. that, I was like, oh, my God. So I guess the point, I'm, the thing I just want to chat today a little bit about is like, like you know, just don't, just don't, you know, you might have something brilliant happen in your life, but there's more brilliance if you just keep pursuing and keep digging into yourself and, and, and building on that. And what does that look like for us today, you know? That's a... a a different way to think about life of I've got 20 summers left. <laughs> it could sound a bit sort of morbid, but I'm not trying to say that. I guess I'm just saying is that, you know, you're here for a reason to do something great and you might have done great up to the age of, I don't know how old you are now, I can't remember how old you are now, it's the age and you've had some greatness in your life, you know, having your children, getting married, successful business exit, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But you've still got 40, 50 more summers where, you know, you can continue to influence and, and create and bless and give back and et cetera, et cetera. And so I guess what I'm saying to us is that we, we should never stop. The only time you stop is when you die. That's when that's when you sleep and rest, you know. <laughs> so on that, I want to jump that for a sec. You're with High Performance New Zealand. Most of the anything, the handbrakes are always with the athletes themselves, 100%. I definitely um, would, would agree. What was yeah. the... What was the insight around trying to unlock that from, I guess, an organisation perspective? You know, you've got team, you've got this, this this young talent around you, whatever. How do they find the gold? Well, the main thing is, I think, uh, I mean, for us, uh, but I guess it will be applicable across all things, is are you finding space uh, for that goal to be recognised, you're right? So, like I say, don't stay and stand still, but um, sometimes you've got to stop, um, like have a look at it, understand it, find it and then move forward and that brilliance because you can spin your wheels wasting your time on other things right so i think um one is are you creating a safe environment are you creating a space where someone can bring their whole self are you creating a space where they feel confident to try and are you creating a space and this is the fourth one which i brought up with them is are you creating a space where it's okay to fail and it's okay to fail because out of failure becomes greatness right and so um you know if you look at the last couple of weeks you know, New Zealand smashed the All Blacks for losing a game, right? But we forget that it's actually okay to fail and we forget that others catch up and we forget that we've still got to keep being agile and creating and moving forward and, um, you know, working on self. 
I love the idea around focusing on the environment for it. As leaders, what actions do you think they can take now to get a safer space for where it's okay to fail for the employees? Well, I just think I just think um, sometimes we're so focused on the end goal, we forget that we need people to get there. And um, sometimes we just need to look around the team and just make sure that they're creating space where good, healthy, adult conversations can be had, where sort of iron sharpens iron and we encourage each other um, and just keep moving towards a you know goal. And I guess the other question I'd always ask is, is that goal big enough? You know, Because uh, it could be bigger you, and you might have more talent than you realise uh, around you. Yeah, short time, but good time. <laughs> the, just like tw- 20 more summers, let's make them count. really appreciate you joining join the show, Bruce, as always, man, my man. What an absolute legend. There you go. Uh, Bruce Pilbara. Safe environment. Okay to fail. CEO of Spirit of Adventure. Hope the day's been awesome. Hope the Saturday's charged along almost 2 o'clock. We're about to get out of here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I've had fun. Hope you've had fun. Enjoy the rest. Be good. Be great. Adios. Auckland's breaking news station. This is Today FM News.